Good morrow to you all. You have fallen on bad times. Brought to you by Royal Holloway's Shakespeare Society. You join me, Cassie Dixon. And me, Jack Hardman, as we bear some bardy truths. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Bard Times. I'm your host, Jack Hardman, and joining me this week is our friend, the wonderful man, Theo Dudridge. Hello, Theo. How you doing? Um, I'm doing good, thank you. Um, thank you so much for inviting me on. That's okay. That's okay. It's good <laughs> to hear you're doing well. Um, so, Theo, this term you are acting as Polonius in Hamlet, and as per every week, uh, I have to ask, how is that going? It's going really well. Um, I think we're in the last couple of weeks of rehearsal now before we can record. Uh, uh, Eleanor and Kate just put up the latest latest rehearsal schedule. I'm, re- I'm called a lot. But um, mm. I'm really look. I'm really enjoying the process. I'm really looking forward to recording and seeing the piece come together. Yeah, because obviously you worked as a DSM on If Janaya, uh, which yeah. is a uh, a project we were both on, and an audio drama. And I believe yeah. you were in uh, Shakespeare Society's version of Macbeth. I was. Yeah, I was playing yeah. Banquo. So um, kind of how do you find voice acting versus normal acting? I think with Macbeth, um, sorry, chronologically, uh, that Mm. was a project that I think was set up in place of uh, the third term show because, of course, uh, the lockdown happened and it was just something for people to do. And there'd be a schedule put up. um, We would call for like an hour, a couple of hours uh, a day uh, with certain days off to like go through scenes and stuff. I think we went through each scene roughly twice before we recorded it. And from an acting point of view, it was quite nice to have like a lot of time to get stuff done. We'd yeah. send off the recordings. If we needed to re-record stuff, we could. Um, and we could try we could try new things. And it was very much you could really get to play around with it. Sort of like when you rehearse a scene each time, you can play around with the different dynamics of it. Um, a director can tell you to do something differently. You can kind of try things out, or if you've thought about stuff, you can in- incorporate that. Um, with Aphidjania, I was editing that one, um, but it was a very similar thing uh, with sort of my experience in Macbeth. Um, you sort of tell the cast to submit stuff to you by a certain time, they record stuff, and then just, it was quite nice with Aphidjania because there was also music incorporated as well by Matteo. Yeah. So, each scene had music kind of underscoring it, um, even if there wasn't necessarily singing involved, because we had a chorus and they sung, it was pretty cool. Um, and it was just a really nice project. It was different from Macbeth, but both were very fun kind of lockdown projects to be a part of. And yeah, yeah, it's just some of my favorite memories from sort of late first year, early second year. How does that then compare with what you will be doing, will be recording with Hamlet? Because I, as I, as far as I understand it, there is you're not just re- recording your voice and the audio; you're also recording a visual aspect of it as well. Yeah. So with Hamlet, um, we're going to be given, I think, the scene by scene breakdown. I've been told a, about one of my scenes so far, and certain like shot requirements, like recording against a white background for most of it, uh, having to walk into shot like different angles and stuff like that, like. I think it's very much blocking in terms of where you're going to be filmed um, against just sending in your voice sort of generally. But again, with that, you can send in multiple takes and the editors can pick which ones they want to kind of interlink together. 
So I, I think it's it's nice to actually be doing something physical. Um, yeah. And again, it's a different type of project given the current circumstances of where theatre is at the yeah. minute and where we are in the world. Yeah. And how, so obviously as a physical project, how much have you found it different to say doing a normal play and acting in a normal play is it a lot more focus on smaller gestures is it more almost film related than than theater related because you're having to perform in front of a camera i've always felt um and this is just for me playing polonius i haven't had to move around as much but i try and do like different hand gestures have different stances and try and sort of move around when we're rehearsing but i think when we go to record that's when I can really play around with movements because obviously I won't have my script. I will, <laughs> I will just be going going at it and kind of playing around with gestures and stuff. We've sort of been given the freedom to kind of experiment with stuff and Eleanor and Kate can kind of guide us in sort of their direction as well. Mm. So as, as, well as, as well as doing this this term, you have done many projects over your time at Royal Holloway. You've done stuff with Shakespeare, lots of stuff with Shakespeare. Actually, lots yep. of stuff with Shakespeare. Now I'm thinking about it. I think you've done... <laughs> Just had a mind flash there. It's like, oh my God, there's so many. <laughs> Go um... through them if you want. <laughs> I do. But you've um, you've done stuff with, I believe, Student Workshop and Matt B. You've also done some yeah. stuff with Drama Sock. I wanted to I wanted to see what your opinion of kind of getting involved with as many societies as possible is, and what say if there are any first years listening or for any first years that listen to this in the future, what advice you'd give to them in terms of throwing themselves into into as many societies as possible. Or, of course, also you've done stuff with players. Yeah. So speaking from my experience in first year, and again, I think this year in particular has been very different. Um, and like, I, I, I feel like it's sort of harder to get into online events because it's very similar to like turning up to a lecture on Zoom or Teams or whatever. But going, going back to the good old days, I guess you could say, <laughs> um, back, back before this time. Um, no, uh, going back to my time in first year, I... I sort of knew if I wanted to get involved in anything, I'd already have to sort of throw myself in there and just kind of take anything that kind of comes my way. And that's sort of what I did in first term of first year. Uh, I auditioned for uh, four shows, got recalled for two, made it into one, which was Coriolanus. And that's kind of how I found my footing for Shakespeare Society. But I got memberships to all the other societies that I auditioned for. So I auditioned for NTS Student Workshop and Drama Sock. And each one of those offered uh, several different um, opportunities. So we were both involved in the Winter Showcase that happened. Yeah. Uh, oh, of course. Yeah. That was, that was really fun. Uh, like you said before, I did Matt B in my first time of first year. And I really enjoyed the process for that. I also did it again um, in the summer. Um, yeah, it was in yeah. the summer before the term started. And uh, that, again, it was a different format because it was online, but it was filmed and it was really good. Um, drama sock I did unseen in my first term of first year I also put forward a piece in second term but then <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah then um, yeah it, then uh, the world fell to pieces but yeah yeah how, how do you think that's then benefited you as an actor and a performer and just a theatre maker in general 
it's allowed me to get experience of different directors, uh, different actors, and just in general, <laughs> absorb a lot of new information. Because I, I want to have a go at directing something before I leave Holloway. I've said this every term and I've never put myself <laughs> for anything yet. Um, but I think just to summarise everything, just get involved with as much as possible, even if you don't necessarily think you'll like it straight away. If you see a like production going that you're not familiar with in the slightest, audition for it. Because it might be something that you can go in, be honest and say, not going to lie, don't know what this is about but I like your concept, I like what you've got, and I'm really interested in doing it. And if you put yeah. forward a good audition and you get cast and you have a really good time, then you'll really start to kind of find your way into uh, societies as a whole. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. I think one of the plays exactly like that that I did actually this term is If Janiah. I had never heard yeah. of Ifjaya. I had no idea what it was about. I'd never done Greek theatre. I'd never done an audio play. And I was like, oh, I could learn some things. Maybe I could learn some things. Maybe I won't. And then it was a great time. It was an amazing time. We love we love that show. But yeah. So you have uh, also DSM'd quite a few shows on campus now. I was wondering whether you could give us a rundown as to the role, what it entails, and generally what what drew you to it what keeps drawing you to it okay i'll explain the origin story first and then go into the role when i first started really getting into theater sort of uh around sort of year nine year ten i joined my very first theater company uh, it's a theater company called act two they're lovely um and i kind of started to learn a bit about backstage roles one of them was the role of the dsm Usually in sort of live theatre, the DSM kind of comes in towards the end of the process, uh, watches these shows or takes note on various kind of cues from the script and so on and so forth. And then on sort of tech day, they go in, um, technician kind of sets the lights and the DSM goes in and kind of programs them. Um, so that's how I knew the role. But then... And I wouldn't have, we're going to bring up some old memories, Jack. Uh, this was, I believe it was the ANAT launch night. And uh, I was sat having a drink of a VK. I think it was a VK. And you come over to me and you're like, Theo, I want you to be on my bid for a show. I want you to be the DSM. And I turned around to you and really confidently said, no, I'm good. <laughs> so cut to like uh, a couple of conversations later, I, I agree to be on this team. Same After night. begging him and begging him and begging him. Eventually he yeah. said yes. Yeah. I was like, well, I think I was with a friend at the time and they were just like, oh, you said you wanted to get into like theatre and stuff. Then this would be a really good chance to like experiment with uh, backstage stuff. So you were into it. And I was like, you know what? Sure, I'll do it. Um, so I put myself down and we had a lovely, lovely crew uh, we spent many nights working on We bit. did what you should never do for a bit, <laughs> which is spend just the most amount of kind of late nights, late nighters uh, working on a bid pack. Don't do that. Do it during the day when you're <laughs> awake and competent. Don't don't do it at night. No matter what changes came our way, we were willing, we were willing to adapt. Um, didn't get through, but I remember finding out as a group and being like, you know what? I really liked working with you guys. Uh, if we get a chance to work on something again, 
that'd be great. To cut forward to like the last week of term one, I think it was the day before Unseen. And I get a call from you because you've just had a meeting with the previous president. And you say, Theo, God, I got a bid and uh, I want you to be on it. And I just said, I, I said, absolutely, I'd love to be on this team. And this was when Love Savers lost. Uh, the crew started coming together. Since then, I've done a couple of things. I did a production of Romeo and Juliet um, in sort of December time. I co-DSM'd alongside uh, one of the many DSMs who taught me the role of being a DSM, uh, the lovely Rosie Addison Dunn. Uh, again, Shakespeare alumni. She's lovely. I uh, really hope she watches this. You got a free shout out. Hope you're proud of that. Uh, <laughs> nice. nah, Rosie, we love you. Um, <laughs> but no, I've, as you said before, I did uh, DSM for a pigeon eye, although it was, it was more editing than DSMing. Um, and I, I, I've, I'm on another bid, so I might be DSMing again, hopefully. Fingers crossed. But fingers crossed. Good luck with that. Fingers crossed. Thank you. Um, but yeah, on to the more important topic, uh, the role of the DSM itself. Um, in terms of the Royal Holloway side of it, because DSMs of Royal Holloway aren't like the DSMs I mentioned earlier. Uh, you essentially are a number of roles. Mainly you kind of work alongside the director, uh, sort of in rehearsals, and you, know, you take notes of like the sound as kind of you, you usually do. Uh, but you also are in charge of kind of making rehearsal schedules, uh, kind of sorting out clashes and stuff, and just kind of being someone fairly close to the director. Right? I, I, in some aspects, the director can kind of call on you when they want. I know for Love's Labour's Lost, I sort of was there at pretty much every rehearsal. I had a couple of rehearsals off to like do something else that came up yeah again. reason reasonably to have a bit of a break no well on, on love labors i do have to say i think i may have over uh used you but also it was a wonderful <laughs> thing uh from from what i've seen of obviously i've never been a dsm so i'm talking somewhat out of my uh behind here but um it is kind of like you are you're the you're the schedule you're the organizer as well as the kind of lights and sound designer as well as if need be a bit of a, a kind of assistant director um you're kind of lots of things but i think i certainly as as a director what a large part of the dsm's role is is uh well at least the way that we work together is you keep me sane uh, yeah, but, but how how would you say you know, what what is the most important trait you would say is part of being a good DSM? Definitely organization. Um, when you DSM for the first time, especially you know at Royal Holloway, uh, they do talk you through it. Whichever venue you're in, I was lucky enough to be in the SU, and they have club lighting, so it was really nice to kind of go up to the lighting box, have one of the technicians kind of talk you through the uh, lights and stuff. And we we had a very like basic kind of set of light. We had like the colourful strobes at the start, and then we had like various kind of yellows and blues that kind of came up, and then we had effects for um our keep hauling. That was a fun lighting set thing. I just had to stand there and be like, okay, stand by, cue, cue, cue. Very good, very good. That's all. That's all. 
okay, cute. And then that was it. Um, but yeah, in short, organization and I guess creativity. Um, I guess teamwork as well. Teamwork, uh, again, in any yes. role, any show is very important. Um, but yeah, just communication, organization, creativity. Amazing. Okay, so I think that's enough of talking about you. Um, <laughs> I'll see myself out. <laughs> and, and we'll move on to the news of the week, which is actually about you. So oh, we're going to keep God. talking about you. I'm lying to you. Uh, so, so the news of this week is we have another series of Shakespeare and Dungeons of Dragons coming out. And... I want to ask you kind of uh, about D&D in general, yeah. because obviously you are, uh, I, I DM the last one, you are going to DM yeah. this one, Dun- you're going to be the dungeon master for it, for those people not uh, already indoctrinated into the religion that is <laughs> D&D. Uh, I, I, want to, I want to basically start, start by asking you, what drew you to D&D? So I've I've sort of thought about this for a while. Uh, D&D has always kind of been partly on my mind, probably since around like year 13, but it was something that I never really, I never really wanted to get into at the time because I just knew it was a big commitment. Um, you know, hearing stories of games going on for so long. But over the summer, um, I was kind of doing some just light, light Googling about it. And then at the same time, I got a message on like a group chat I was a part of with one of my friends wanting to run a game. And I uh, was like, you know, I really want to have a go at running my own. I really want to like be a dungeon master for a game. And I went into D&D as a dungeon master rather than as a player, which is uh, fun, but also quite risky. So cut forward to uh, Christmas of it was like Christmas last year, I think. Um, I DM'd mm. my first game. Uh, it was horrible. Uh, in, <laughs> well, I say it was horrible. It was it was fun, but very chaotic um, because I didn't read the rules going into it. So I planned out this railroaded adventure that lasted no longer than two hours, and I had to keep asking other players how the rules worked. Like combat was very much me just trying to headcanon math and it just wasn't working. Um, but it was fun and I I could kind of carry my way through it. Like it was fine. I've learned I've learned now the rules and I can do them, but I never I thought back and I was just like, I really should have read up more before going into it. But I was eager. The energy was there. But that and that that carried most of that. But what is there something in particular that drew you to playing it though? Not just the circumstances around it. Um, I think it was just the idea okay. of a game where you could make it whatever you wanted it to be. It's like, you know, if you've ever had an idea for a story set in the same universe as something else, or like an idea for a video game, or an idea for, you know, a series of books or films or whatever. With D&D, you can kind of make that happen and not necessarily like make every single action happen, but you can invite players into your world. They can change the course of, um, you know, big situations, big parties, uh, big events in this world. Um, 
you of course can provide an overarching story, but your players in turn have their own mini stories in that. And as a DM, you can work those in and even, you know, even collaborate with them. And they may give you something which you never thought of. And you might be like, I really like this. And then you, you know, there's, there's a very satisfying feeling in D&D where you either set something up or like certain outcomes go in a certain way and the payoff just makes your players go whoa and it's so so good when that happens but you know cut forward um sort of from first time i dm'd to around about oh this is right jack this is gonna be old um so this time last year, we would have done session zero of Will's campaign. Yeah, friend of the podcast, Will Lawson. Um, he ran a uh, a game with the two of us. My first time doing anything properly involved in D and I think it was your first time as a player as well. Yeah, and we basically played a game for ages. It, I think for me, the thing that drew me into that and wanting to do that is, as you say, it's this idea of kind of, it's the same draw as video games. It's kind of being able to experience a story and being immersed within it. It's kind of like watching a film, but the film reacts to your own kind of whatever you do. And yeah. But it's, it's almost like if you wanted to play a video game that you could do, whatever you wanted that is dungeons and dragons um but why do you think is there any particular reason you think people should give DD a go i think especially from like an acting point of view it's a nice kind of exercise to really kind of hone your skills as an improviser both if you're in the in the shoes of the dungeon master or the player because either one you're playing a character or multiple characters at once. You've really got to think about what your characters would do. Um, there is the technical side when it comes to like rolling dice and stuff, which kind of makes the game element quite fun. But, you know, I think especially now, D&D has become something that's quite profitable, especially with uh, series such as Critical Role. Um, oh, what was it? the one that you like dimension 20 i think it is yeah, yeah. um a couple of other uh D online games that people have uh, that have been streamed and there's an active audience for that like people enjoy watching the dungeon master tell the story they enjoy the players play their characters i never it's... really got into critical role but i i know a lot of people you know who have and i've seen yeah. clips and i get the hype behind it um but yeah i i think because it's become also because of the mainstream uh, mainstream shows kind of mentioning it's so just stranger things i guess that's another mm -hmm. thing that kind of drew me to it as well like the concept of the game from stranger things yeah i think there's there's certainly a the same draw of watching tv i think it's it's just people playing um like the reason why it's so popular at the moment is there's a lot of shows that are very successful based around DD because people like to watch characters play around in a world 
and it's completely yeah. unscripted and that's exciting i think uh in terms of why i would and the, why i have continued to do it is because one it's great fun it's it's amazing fun yeah. it's a great time to just spend time with your friends without it's especially over lockdown when there's not a lot you can actually do with people it's a great way to kind of shake things up and do something that's different um even if it's just trying it once, I, I couldn't recommend it more to people. Um, but as an actor as well, I couldn't agree. I couldn't agree with you more that it is very helpful for your ability to improvise, especially as a dungeon master. Having to, there's the chance that your players decide to have a full blown conversation with someone who literally does didn't exist before five minutes ago, uh, is so is so high and it requires the skill set of just like okay well here we go let's do this thing and and you kind of need that confidence with it um and you it it is very helpful for i mean it's helpful for podcasting if if nothing else yeah (laughs) um and just being able to ramble but yeah i think that's i think that's great and I, i can't wait to i can't wait to be in and then edit um this upcoming this upcoming uh shakespeare dungeons and dragons it's project it's gonna, gonna be, be a great time it's gonna be a great time so on that note i think we'll end it here for today uh before you go i do have to ask you one very important question uh it's a question we ask every week uh, uh and it uh, is uh is whether you will be thrown off the show or not uh, uh yes i can answer that right now so, <laughs> yes i will um, um <laughs> I, I need to know what is your favorite shakespeare play so my favorite shakespeare play is macbeth i had a concept for it that i wanted to try and piece together a while back but i've never really had the time to do it but it was sort of one of the first shakespeare plays i really properly fully read in depth as a gcse and it's one that you know, it's always kind of come back in some way, shape or form, whether it be for like a a monologue that I've had to use for drama or if I'm doing, you know, looking for inspiration for fantasy. Fair play. Okay, well, thank you so much for joining me this week for Bard Times. Thank you, Theo, for coming on the show. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. Amazing. No, thank you so much for coming. Uh, This has been your host, Jack Hardman. Stay safe. And in the words of the Bard himself, suit the actions to the words and the word to the action.